Before we begin this podcast episode, I would greatly recommend that you get an open Bible and a sheet of paper and a pencil to write down the points that will be given in this episode. Um, I'm not sure where you are, where you may find yourself listening to this episode, but if you're on the go, if you're moving, if you are in your car, uh, on an airplane, uh, if you're doing something that will detract from the content of the episode, I would greatly recommend that you bookmark this episode and come back to it at a later time, because these next few episodes are going to have content within them that is primarily based in scripture, and the episode will not bear any fruit in your life if you do not have an open Bible. If you do not own a physical copy of the Bible, there is this great app called Bible Gateway that is accessible from any search engine like a Google or Yahoo or Bing or Safari, any of those search engines. You can just go log into Bible Gateway and it can pull up all uh, 66 books of the Bible. So I would greatly recommend that because it's important to not just take my word for things and to look at the truth yourself because there's something about looking at the pages of scripture as opposed to just taking my opinion for it. So I would greatly recommend that. And um, yes, this is this episode. Hello and welcome to this podcast. As my friend, as my friend once told me, long time no see. And I'm not really sure how to respond to my friend's rhetorical question, but I recognize that it is we we live in a dire a dire time in terms of truth, in terms of faith, and in terms of trusting the true Jesus. So it is my is my honor. I'd say to share the truth with any listener that I have the privilege of speaking to at this point. Uh, Over the next few episodes, uh, it's a five-part series that I'm going to drop or post. Drop. Drop sounds better. Sounds cooler. I am going to give you uh, tons of Bible verses, tons, uh, tons of illustrations and analogies primarily from scripture to help you know and have assurance about what it is that you believe. And these episodes, the content within these episodes will surely challenge you. So as I said in the intro, please, please have an open Bible. This ep- These episodes will not help you in any way, shape or form if you do not have the word of God present. Again, Bible Gateway is a great website. It's, I think it's an app, too, that you can install in your computer or tablet or smart device in order to access Scripture. But there are many, many websites. There are websites. Now, there are websites that are not accurate. Uh, you, again, Bible Gateway is a good one. Version is a little suspect, but Bible Gateway is a great website, and you can always go and purchase a Bible if you do not have one. But in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the scripture's authority. And that's what the title of this episode or this message is. So that you know that the, the word of God, the Bible, God's word, 
is the ma- the supreme authority in all matters of faith that there are no other authorities that you should look to. Uh, you shouldn't be looking to me. You should not look to a pastor. You should not look to a denomination or branch or sect or certain church for uh, interpretations of certain things that have to do with matters of faith. You should look to the holy word of God that has been preserved for you and I for hundreds of years. It is the inerrant, infallible word of God. And I'd like to begin this message uh, starting in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verses 16 through 17. It, uh, it's a joy to share the truth with people now. Because I recognize how how dire this situation is. How many souls have been led astray into thinking that they are in possession of the truth when they have a compromised gospel, a false Jesus that they are worshiping, and a false authority that is feeding them nothing but uh, lies from Satan. So verse 16 through 17, and this is Second Timothy chapter 3. Yes, all scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that means that everything found within the Word of God is not only true, but it is useful for equipping us for every good work that the Lord has called us to do. Uh, Again, apart from him, we can do nothing. So do not try to establish your own righteousness. You must rest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I also want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 21. If I can find where 1 Peter is. So I can get to 2 Peter Okay, there are no other authorities outside of the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the truth because the Word of God is infallible. To say that there are other mediators, other authorities that are equal or above Scripture is antithetical to the gospel and is antithetical to everything found within Scripture. So Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the key to understanding Scripture is that it, it doesn't come from man. When all of the prophets, I think uh, there were around 55 different people from all walks of life who penned Scripture, under the control and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So when people say, oh, I've had a revelation from God. No, they haven't had a revelation from God because the only revelation that people have have received uh, is found in Scripture. Uh, John got the revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ about things that would happen in later times, the judgment of Satan, the great white throne, uh, the rapture, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second 
second coming of him to bring all people who have been waiting for him for all of a for all the years to bring them salvation the salvation that they have so longed for after fulfilling the great commission of course and spreading the good news really the greatest news to every person that they come into contact with all sorts of things have been revealed to John and John penned it and after he penned it we now have the book of revelation which gives us a a glimpse into heaven that is just enough to whet our appetite for what we have to look forward to as long as we've trusted Jesus Christ as our all-sufficient Savior. Now, many people say that there are other authorities or that you can just look at Scripture however, or uh, it can be word of mouth. If someone knows the truth, then they're a culpable authority in terms of dealing with matters of faith, but that is absolutely true. And it is, again, antithetical to what the gospel of Jesus Christ has uh, proclaimed. So you can say confidently that the gospel is according to Scripture alone. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to read from verses 1 through 4. To say that the gospel is from anywhere but Scripture makes, makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the, you don't you don't hear the gospel um, just hearsay, and then you believe it. The gospel is only from Scripture alone. The Scripture is the founding rock upon which we can stand confident in matters of faith, and say that we know the truth because we have been given the truth by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day according to the Scriptures. Um, all, all that we believe in, salvation, sin, hell, damnation, justification, condemnation, heaven, all of these things that we believe, the blood of the shed blood of Jesus Christ satisfying divine justice on the cross, the sinless nature of Jesus Christ, his perfect sacrifice, his one sacrifice for all time for the forgiveness of sins, the fact that he is all sufficient and that he needs no other help to save a person from their sin and to bring them into the kingdom of God and to the kingdom of light. All of these things are found in Scripture. Apart from Scripture, you would never even know who Jesus is. You hear uh, people in your workplace all the time say, uh, after they break something or they drop something or they drop their phone, they use the Lord's name in vain. And I just say to myself, which Jesus are they following? Because clearly they could never follow the true Jesus because they would recognize that using the Lord's name in vain is a sin. And to use the most precious name that is above all other names in vain, uselessly, is absolutely an atrocity. So don't, don't take other people's words for face value. In fact, the Bereans examined if what Paul, the apostle, said was true when he visited them. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17, verse 11. 
So we can see what happened when Paul encountered the Berean Christians, or the Christians of Berea. Because this is important in making the point that you can't just take people's words for face value. To take one person's word for face value is to elevate them above Scripture in a literal sense. Because you say that, well, if they say this, then they obviously they can't err. They're, there's no possibility for wrongness in what they're saying in their speech. But that simply isn't true. Again, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Again, uh, I'm not sure. I think we're a, a little ways of like past 10 minutes into this episode. Again, if you do do not have a Bible, if you do not have scripture open on an app or some type of smart device this this is not doing you any any good at all because what i have to say does not matter it just it simply doesn't my opinion does not matter at all it's the word of god that matters and i'm here to give you the truth from the word of god if i do not give you the truth then i am speaking uselessly and there's no there's no truth in what i say it's simply my opinion but when I point you to these verses of Scripture, especially this this uh, verse that I've given you about the Berean Christians examining what Paul had to say, the, these verses are they're integral to you understanding and knowing what it is that you believe. Because Scripture is the main authority that you have in all matters of faith. You don't listen to what Mark has to say. You don't listen to what your pastor has to say, what your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, your older sibling, your younger sibling, your classmate, your best friend, uh, whoever, holy person, apostle, who is doctor, apostle, prophetess, someone. You don't listen to them. You listen to what God says in his word. Because at the end of the day, does it matter what Mark said or does it matter what God has revealed to you in his, uh, or what God has given you in his word and what you have been, what has been made known to you via the grace of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit illumines your mind to the truth. I pray that by the end of this series, uh, when I read John chapter 3 verse 16, you will truly know what that verse means instead of just a useless term to throw around at people uh, and get them to pray a sinner's prayer so that they trust uh, this this random person that they do not even know who is Jesus. And then they're, eventually their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and uh, they, they're saved for all of eternity and they're, they can do whatever they want because they're going to heaven. That is not salvation at all. That's called Sealing someone in their unbelief, sealing someone in their deception, closing the door in their face and leading them away from the narrow door. They're so close to the cross, but instead of getting them all the way to the cross so that they can trust Jesus, you lead them down a back alley and you leave them there to rot. Never trust any person. Trust God and then you'll be able to trust other people. So do not follow other authorities. 
Uh, if you could turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, I will read a passage of scripture for you and give you a verse here to refute people who say that there are other authorities other than scripture. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I said earlier, I quoted John chapter 15, verse 5. Without him, you can do nothing. Apart from him, you can do nothing. The abide in me chapter of the Bible. We that that is that is incredibly important to recognize. See, God is infinitely wise. Part of his attributes, not only is he omnipotent, meaning he has all power, that he's omnipresent, meaning not meaning that he's present in all things, because many people believe that God is in me as me. So I'm a mini God. No, that is not true. That is not true. Not only is that heretical, but that's just completely false. Everything is in the presence of God. This is what omnipresence means. That means that everything right now is in the presence of Almighty God. Uh, same thing with him being omniscient, meaning that he knows all. God sees everything in the present moment because everything is present to him. It goes off of omnipresence. So omni meaning all and then presence and omniscience and meaning knowledge and it it works it works really well. God is amazing. But that doesn't even begin to describe how infinitely perfect God is. Because he's our Lord and Savior and he's amazing and he's God. <laughs> to say to say that he's God is is a fitting term because he is God. He is God. He is Yahweh, he is Adonijah, and he is Elohim. That is who we worship and that is who we venerate and that is who we trust. We have trusted him for all things because he is the only one to trust. Do not trust mortal men. Do not trust them because they have nothing to offer you. They can't save you from your sins. They can't. They can't give you the truth. They can't. They can't bring you to Christ. They can't get you to heaven. They cannot. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He ended the argument that there there's works or that you could somehow merit the graces of God or somehow do enough good things to outweigh your bad. You have an infinite sin debt, and the only person who can pay your infinite sin debt apart from you suffering and torment for all of eternity is the eternal God and his son, Jesus Christ, who paid for your sins on the cross, finishing the redemptive work of mankind and in John chapter 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. There is no more performance. There are no, there's nothing more that you can do to beat the cross. Jesus has you beat, but Jesus isn't a sore winner, right? He's not. He's a, he, see, he won the victory, but God always wins. And God is good. God loves us. So he died for us, dying in our place so that we could have eternal life, so that we wouldn't be separated from him, and so that we wouldn't have to satisfy divine justice in hell for all of eternity. Hell is a real place. People may say that there is no hell. Uh, you know that they are not of Jesus Christ. And if so, if you go to a church and they preach that hell isn't a, a punishment for the sins of 
people that people have committed and that they're satisfying people are right in hell right now, satisfying divine justice for all of eternity in a completely hopeless situation. Uh, then you need to get out of that place as soon as as possible because that is not a true church and they are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke the most about hell more than any other person in scripture. So yes, Jesus was uh, a quote-unquote hellfire preacher. To say that he wasn't is, is just is not true because he spoke the most about hell as compared to any person in scripture. So not only did Jesus acknowledge that hell was a place, but he's also saved mankind from hell, knowing that hell was eternal punishment for those who had not come to a saving knowledge of the Son of God. But there's always there's always this dichotomy about, oh, well, it's just the Bible. It's There's nothing important about the Bible. The Bible has no validity. It's just a book. Uh, what? B-I-B-L-E. Bible, that's the book for me. Uh, it's just, it's one of those little nursery rhyme things. And uh, you give somebody a Bible when they graduate and uh, you give them Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, so that they can live a self-centered life because they believe that God is going to bless them and bless their self-centeredness. That is not true. See, and we're going to we're going to get back to that verse because I know I've probably challenged a lot of you with when I said that. But you must read verses in context. You can't read them out of context. All of these verses that I have are lined up and are building this like castle of truth for you so that you have this truth. And as you're writing these passages of scripture down and kind of taking notes is what I'm saying. You have this truth now and you are in possession of the truth. My job is to give you the truth so that when you encounter falsehood, when you encounter lies, you're not led astray. And you can recognize immediately that, oh, this person said that Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about them. I shouldn't listen to them. I should probably share the gospel of truth that I know with them because they are perishing. But yeah, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, so we can end this argument that scripture doesn't matter and that it, uh, it's lame and it doesn't matter and uh, it'll never help you in any type of way and it, it, can't, it has no power over anyone and it can't do anything. It's just a book. Uh, there's nothing about it. It's, it's going to be irrelevant in a few years. Many people argue all sorts of things about the word of God. But let's see what God has to say about his word as we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. So as you're reading these passages of scripture, and maybe, maybe you might be in a place of deception and you've been deceived and you don't even recognize it. Because the nature of deception is that people do not know that they are deceived when they are deceived. That's why they are in a state of deception. They believe certain things about Jesus, but the Jesus that they are following is not the correct Jesus. It just is simple. It's not that I'm I'm being critical of you or being critical of your faith, but I love you enough to tell you the truth so that you do not stand before a great white throne 
and hear the words that are the most horrifying words that any person could ever hope to hear when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. In possession of the truth, you must share the truth with other people. To have the truth and not to and to not share the truth with another person when you know that they are on a grease slide to hell because they are being deceived, not because they're just wilding out in sin and uh, sexual immorality and carousing and drunkenness. No, I'm, I'm talking about these are these are quote unquote good people who do not know that they have an infinite sin debt and they are working to establish their own righteousness only to stand in their own righteousness and to stand in the presence of perfect holiness and to hear perfect holiness himself say, depart from me, I never knew you. Sealing the envelope on a wasted life. This is the whole purpose of the Great Commission. God did not save us for us to just dwaddle around and revel in the world's pleasures. This is not why God saved us, because he could have saved us and then he could have taken us to heaven. But God saved us so that we could save other people by delivering the message of truth. We're, we're like mailmen and male women. We just deliver the mail. That's all we have to do. The mailman is always successful when he delivers the mail, is he not? It doesn't matter if you haven't paid for your mailbox bill or uh, the post office, whatever box that you have, if you haven't paid for it. The mailman just has to deliver the mail. You can never fail. You really can't. All you have to do is deliver it in the Holy Spirit, not lean to your own understanding and lean to your own talents and conviction and uh, what, what manipulative skills and uh, all, all sorts of different things that you have to yourself. You, you can't rely on yourself. You must use scripture. And this is what I'm doing right now. And so people, they refute the power of scripture. But when someone who is trapped in a different religion and they're trying to establish their own righteousness in order to be saved or have their salvation experience. And then they hear the gospel and someone is presenting it in the person of the Holy Spirit. They say, I want this Jesus. I'm not sure who who he is. But after you have explained this son of God, this Holy Spirit, this salvation, this uh, eternal life to me, I want this Jesus. And they exchange their religion for a relationship with Jesus Christ because they recognize their religion cannot save them. It is Jesus Christ who saves people, not any religion. So if you are currently in a religion thinking that you are somehow going to work your way to heaven, it simply isn't going to happen. The only person who can save you is Jesus Christ. Do not fall prey to the deceptions of the world. Do not. You must trust God and trust God alone. So the word of God is living and active. It's powerful and it can not only convict people of sin, but it can illumine their minds to the truth via the grace of the Holy Spirit. So people have have arguments for following different authorities. And they like to say that, uh, for example, people like to say that tradition and church tradition is on the same level as the authority of scripture if uh someone has a has a tradition that's actually heretical or antithetical to the gospel uh then then they'll say that it's on the same level as what they believe and that simply isn't true because we've already established that scripture is the supreme authority in all matters of faith 
But uh, we should take a look at these arguments because I'm sure that you'll encounter this when you're witnessing to other people and when you're attempting to share the gospel with other people. So I want you to turn to Second Thessalonians. Oh, goodness. Second Thessalonians. I always have a hard time finding it. Because it's only one page in my Bible. Excuse me. Uh, let me not get, not get off topic. Second, <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to read in verse 15. So then, brethren, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Okay. So it's a good, it's a good verse. It definitely supports that argument. Okay. Well, I have another verse for you. I want you to go to Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and who does not live according to the teaching you received from us. Okay. Well, uh, tradition, scripture, receiving, idleness. I don't know, man. I don't know. Sounds kind of kind of appealing. Sounds valid, actually. Not not only appealing, but valid. Sounds valid. Because that that verse is is quite it's quite it has a lot of validity to it. You can't really deny it, can you? So I also want you to turn to First Corinthians chapter eleven and I want I'm going to read from verse two. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. All right. So this gives you quite a quite an argument for tradition being a, a valid authority in terms of faith. It does. There, these are three verses that clearly state to hold on to the traditions that have been passed on to you. There, there is no, there is no, there's no uh, silver sword that can cut through what is being argued here for tradition being on the same level as scripture. There isn't. But I want to hear what I want you to hear what Jesus had to say regarding tradition because what our lord and savior says is clearly important in matters of faith because he is the person who we whom we have our faith in and he is the only one who is who is faithful and just so i want you to turn to mark chapter 7 uh, and i'm going to get begin in verse 6 but before before I read all of of the uh, passage, scripture passage that I was going to give you from Mark chapter chapter seven, I'm gonna take you to Isaiah. So Mark chapter seven, and to give you a little background, the Pharisees are harassing Jesus again, and people people they always they, they miss this. They miss this. 
They missed that Jesus was always in the midst, that his life was always threatened. That there was never a time where Jesus was uh, walking through green fields with all sorts of sheep and animals and cute little animals following him. Jesus was literally standing for the truth, proclaiming the truth to people, saving people, healing people, raising people from the dead, driving demons out. And all the while, he he had he had this this following of people who were so stuck in their legalism attempting to murder him. Not not to not to beat him or uh I don't know, throw him in jail to murder him. Because they couldn't stand the fact that he was saying that he he and the father were one. So let's not let's never discredit what Jesus went through, what Jesus had to suffer and uh, you know, Jesus was fully God and fully man. So, of course, he had emotion. And of course, uh, I mean, he wasn't happy that people were following him all around trying to murder him at every turn. That That's not very moral. That's, that, that doesn't build your morale. But see, he saw things from his father's perspective, and that was Jesus's secret. That was why he was able to accomplish the redemptive work of mankind. And this is why we call him our dear Lord and Savior. Because not only was he obedient to uh, up until death into the cross, but he was also uh, a, a servant before the Lord, Lord, excuse me, Lord, the Lord. Okay, so Mark chapter seven, verse six. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And now I want you to turn, before we uh, continue with Mark chapter 7, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 29. And I'm going to read from verse uh, 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their, their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Okay, well, it kind of presents a, a dichotomy between what we've heard from these three verses, the two verses from 2 Thessalonians and the one verse from 1 Corinthians presents a dichotomy, uh, which is a separation between the two ideas that I presented to you I'm trying to get back to Mark. But if you're still flipping or typing on your computer to get to the next verse, you can start in uh, Mark chapter seven. And I'm going to read from verses from verse seven to verse 13. And I want you to pay close attention and I want you to follow along in your Bible or on your screen to these verses because it it's important that you get this part. This part is incredibly important because many people have been led astray by tradition. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you have said, but excuse me, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Korban, that is devoted to God, 
then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. So here clearly, clearly, and I honestly should read verse verse 13 again. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. So Jesus clearly says here that tradition, if you if elevated to any to any extent, easily can nullify the word of God because this is exactly what the Pharisees were doing, and they were hypocrites because of it. They were elevating their tradition that had been passed down, and passed down, and passed down, and passed down to the same level, really higher than the word of God. And we just read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And a double-edged sword in uh, the times of Jesus were, excuse me, in ancient times, were, it, was the, it was the strongest weapon that any Roman guard or any soldier or officer would have in their possession. So the writer of Hebrews makes the makes the case that the word of God is even stronger than the strongest weapon of the time in which Hebrews was written. And it's important to know how how powerful the word of God is. Never doubt the power of the word of God to reach someone who is stuck in legalism, to reach someone who is lost in their sin, to reach someone who has claimed that God does not exist. Uh, think about how many people who have uh, who who unbelievers who say that the word of God is ridiculous, that it's just a fairy tale, an allegory, and then they start reading it in order to write a rousing novel, in order to disprove God and say that Jesus is just some made up myth guy and uh, is just a cult, and all of his followers are they have false hope and they should just live their lives and live their best life and do whatever and carouse and drink because none of it matters. We're all going to die anyways. And they then they open up the Bible. That's what they do. They open up the Bible and the Holy Spirit begins to illumine their mind to the truth. And what happens after they get, let's say, to the end of John? They believe. That's what happens. They believe, and it's because of the power of the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. Do I worship the Bible? No. Do you worship? Should you worship the Bible? Absolutely not. The Bible is simply the Word of God, but it's the the God within the Bible, the Jesus within the Bible, the Holy Spirit within the Bible. As, as they are clearly revealed in Scripture with absolutely no counterfeit. It, it, it's, it's these these people, God the Father Almighty, Yahweh Elohim Adonai, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Holy Redeemer, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, who won the redemptive victory on the cross, and in a, in a triumphant voice, he declared, it is finished, that there are no more sacrifices for sin, and that he would not return to take away any sin, but to give salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the confidence that we have, the confidence in the word of God, the truth that we have been given from the word of God. And apart from the word of God, we have no assurance. We have none. There is no assurance. We don't have any assurance about eternal life. We don't have any assurance about tomorrow, about frustration, worries, anxieties, sin, uh, punishment for sin, uh, attacks from the devil, 
uh, demons, the, our sinful nature that prevents us from living a righteous life. We have no assurance about any of these things. We do not know. We are ignorant. And when I say the word ignorant, you got to start the uh, you got to start the explanation here. So you don't do not offend anyone so that no one gets hurt. And I understand because I, too, was incredibly sensitive to certain terms and certain words that were given to me and declared to me and that I was declared. But if someone's ignorant to the gospel, all people who are lost are ignorant to Jesus Christ. They do not know who he is. They do not know who the Holy Spirit is. They do not know who God the Father Almighty is. They do not know, and thus they are ignorant to the truth. If you are not following the correct Jesus, you you do not know the truth. You are ignorant to the truth, and thus you must be given the message of truth in order to be saved from your sin through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Again, never trust any other authority other than the scripture. The scripture is the, again, the inerrant, meaning there are no errors or contradictions within scripture. The infallible, there, there is nothing that is within scripture that is untrue. Parables that Jesus gave are illustrations that point to a greater truth. Are they illustrations? Yes. Are they accurate? Uh, I mean, they're true. Jesus gave them and Jesus was the way, the truth and the life. And he said it is finished. And he wouldn't have been able to ascend to heaven if he had been busy paying for his own sins. This is why he was a perfect sacrifice, because he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. We'll definitely get back to that verse. I promise you. I promise you. We will definitely get back to that verse. What a lovely passage of scripture. Yes, but Jesus died in our in our place because he was perfect. He did not sin. There is there are no other sinless people. Jesus is the only person who to never know sin. There is no other person who who is not who is sinless, who is perfect, who is capable of granting salvation to any person who is lost and spiritually dead in their sin. So you've seen uh, and you've heard what Jesus has to say about tradition and how it can nullify the word of God. If Jesus said it is finished and your tradition demands that more sacrifices are needed, you need to get out of whatever doctrine you're following because that doctrine is erroneous, meaning that it is not true. It, it has error within it. It itself is error incarnate. It is erroneous. Again, do not trust men. So I, I pose the question to you, who should you trust? And uh, it's very simple. <laughs> you should trust the Lord. So I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 118 and uh, Psalm 118. I always say chapter. <laughs> Psalm one, well, Psalm 118, and I'm going to read after I flip to it. Psalm 118, verse 8. Verse 8. You may already be there. Still getting there. Hold on. A little slow. Okay, Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. 
My friend, do not trust people. Don't trust me. We talked about the Berean Christians testing the veracity of Paul's teaching. Do not trust me. Please, please, my friend, do not trust me. Trust God. Trust the trust what God has said in his word. But don't trust me. Don't trust your mom. And when I say this, I'm not like, oh, you know what I mean. I'm talking about in matters of faith. Do not trust just some any person. Trust God. He's the one you have faith in. Again, let me make that clear. I'm not saying don't trust your parents or don't trust uh, yeah, your, I don't know, your husband or wife. Now, if they're not trustworthy, you need to pray for God's will so that he can reveal to you what your next move is. But uh, if... Don't again, don't trust people. You can't trust any person. Do not trust me. This is why I'm giving you these verses of scripture so that you have the truth, not my opinion, because my opinion doesn't matter. Again, it it doesn't. Uh, It's cool that you may think that my opinion matters, but it doesn't. And that's not me being self-deprecating, like practicing self-deprecation or self-hatred or self-loathing or having low self-esteem or high self-esteem, either one. Uh, I I really have esteem confidence in myself. But my confidence doesn't come from pride. It comes from God who is working through me. I don't work for God. God works through me. Uh, Apart from him, I can do nothing. And I have been humbled uh, beyond anything that I could really say uh, to recognize who God really is and why he is called God, why he is the Father Almighty. Do not trust mortal men. Trust God. And I want to give you one final passage of scripture so you have. Uh, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 100. Oh, my gosh. Let me just start saying that I'm going to and I'm going to put this. I'm going to really pray about this so I can get on the wave or whatever it is. Psalm 146. And I'm going to. I'm going to read from verse three. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Verse three. Okay. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. If Jesus Christ is the only person who is capable of saving you, if he truly is the way, the truth, and the life, as it as it is stated in John chapter fourteen, verse six, and he is the only person who is capable of uh my sheep know my voice and they hear me and I give them eternal life. And they can, they can, no one can pluck them from my hand. If he is capable of saving you completely, totally, and forever, then he is the one who, in whom you should trust. So never trust any other person besides Jesus. Do not trust me. Do not trust your pastor. Do not trust the worship leader. Do not trust the, the, the prophet on your YouTube channel. Do not trust the person on social media who claims to be a Christian, but there is no evidence of repentance and they really recognize someone who needs to be evangelized. Do not trust these people. Trust God and read his word. Uh, you may ask, well, how do I understand the Bible, Mark? How do I understand it as well as you do? My friend, I don't understand anything that's in, in the scripture because everything within scripture is spiritually appraised. It is only through the grace of the Holy Spirit that a person can understand what is in Scripture, because we have all been blinded by the Prince of the Air. And until you come to a knowledge of this, excuse me, until you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will never know what is is 
found in scripture. You will pass by John chapter 3, verse 16, countless times, numerous times in your life. And you could possibly stand before a great white throne, never knowing what it means to possess eternal life. To be saved from your sin. To have peace that surpasses all understanding. To be content in all circumstances. To reap the fruit of the Spirit. Not of anything that you were, you were doing. Not attempting to model the fruit of the Spirit. But to reap the fruit of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is working through you. You are not working with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working through you. It's not an attempt to look holy, to do religious activities, to help the sick, clothe the naked, and feed the poor. It is Jesus Christ living his life through you to accomplish his will, plan, and purpose for your life. But my friend, it is not anything within you that gets you to heaven. And the only way that you can know the truth is to read his word. And the truth, as, as it is said in John chapter 8, verse 32, will set you free. And that is my prayer for today, that the truth indeed sets you free. And grace be to you who have listened, and may the love of Jesus Christ comfort you today. And I pray, I truly do pray that you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that you may help other people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in a world full of perishing souls who desperately need a Savior.